Welcome to Kibbe on Liberty. This week, a very special guest, Lynn Ulbricht. Her son, Ross Ulbricht, is spending two life sentences plus 40 years for a nonviolent crime. And you and I have to figure out a way to get him out. Check it out. Lynn Obart, welcome. We've been talking about doing this, I think, for several years, and uh, it's it's really an honor to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, so let's assume that a lot of people don't know about you or your son, uh, Ross, and let's give them a sense for for what what happened to him and why he's in prison today. Sure. Um, yeah, my son Ross is um, serving double life plus 40 years without the possibility of parole in a maximum security prison for all nonviolent charges, first-time offender, no history of violence whatsoever. And it's essentially for his role in the Silk Road website slash marketplace, something he created on a computer when he was 26 years old. And um, I feel that it is an excessive cruel sentence that is totally unnecessary. Ross is completely peaceful. He's not a danger to anyone. And I'm working very hard to have him free and to have this sentence, which sets a terrible precedent, by the way, commuted. And how long has he been in prison? He'll be starting his seventh year in a couple of weeks. Okay. So let's let's take a step back. And, and I know this whole story, and it, it, it gets pretty complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. Um, but let, let's talk about Silk Road first, because sure. this was, was this the first sort of in, encrypted uh, deep web marketplace or were there, was, wh- where did, wh- what's the story? I don't. Uh, actually, I think there were some before. Yeah. I, I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah. Certainly, uh, Ross had never done anything like that. He, and ac- he was, the thing is, Ross got very um, passionate about liberty and free markets, and then the mo- the potential for monetary freedom through Bitcoin, which was very new. Hardly anyone had heard of it. And um, he was at Penn State. He he was part of the Ron Paul campaign. He brought Ron Paul to Penn State. He campaigned for him, uh, and became very kind of on fire for freedom. Yeah. And he created a video game to give people the experience of a real free market. And he tried to get it published. He talked to people, but it didn't happen. And he turned to the Internet, and he created Silk Road. Now, Silk Road was based on the non-aggression principle of voluntary interaction. So it wasn't a totally free market because certain things were prohibited. Anything that basically hurt a third party created a victim. So, for instance, there was no child pornography or anything related to pedophilia allowed, no stolen property no weapons, no um, assassinations, you know, things that could be used to hurt a third party. Drugs were allowed because the administration of the site felt it was a free choice between two individuals. Carnegie Mellon did a study. The um, overwhelming uh, amount, uh, type of drugs that were exchanged were uh, user amounts of cannabis. But there were other drugs on there. Um, so, and I'm not defending that. Yeah. But I'm just saying that's what, um, yeah. But, but that would be. It st- wasn't the intention to be yeah. a drug site. It was the intention was to be a free market that was private 
uninterfered with by the government that use Bitcoin as a means of exchange. So kind of like uh, um, an encrypted anonymous version of Amazon. Yeah, or eBay or something like that. So yeah. you, you wouldn't get you wouldn't get dogged on Facebook for every time you searched for right. something on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, which well, sounds good pretty point. attractive <laughs> yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, he was, uh, I think he was a wasn't he a member of Students for Liberty? Yeah, he was um, actually he was one of the first members, and and, and he the, his signature is on their first T-shirt that's hanging in the on the wall of their office in D.C. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they so sent he's very that to motivated me. by oh, yeah. ideas and 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 this sort of like, I mean, it's almost this. It almost sounds like Galt's Gulch to me, where everyone's going to trade value for value and, and. Yeah, he was an idealist. Yeah. And he, you know, he got into Austrian economics and von Mises and um, all that phil philosophy, and um, yeah, that's what he became uh, very consumed with. And chose not to go on to his Ph.D. in physics. He had a free ride to Cornell and said, well, that's just not my passion. Of course, as a mother, I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, no, no. But, um, By the I way, mean, those, I didn't know what he was those doing. Sa those same I, I, idea guys screwed up my life as well. So, um, <laughs> so I'm not nearly as productive as I otherwise could have been. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's good to be an idealist, but, you know, when you're 26 years old, you're not that realistic. Yeah. He ve he's very remorseful about what happened. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, the mistakes that he made. Yeah. He's, he's, it's not like he would ever, ever do it again. Um, he's very remorseful. But he did uh, create the site. Yeah. Now these, I mean, and it, uh, part of the technologies, part of the, the core of this is Tor, which is a, yeah. is a, government-based, basically private, way, way to keep your stuff private. Right. I'm not a technologist, so I'm not going to um, show my ignorance by trying to explain it any more than that. But and you won't ask me to either, yeah, right? No. But it's uh, you know used by dissidents and journalists and you know lots of people who want privacy. It's not necessarily a criminal right. thing. Yeah. Yeah, privacy is not a criminal right. thing. Yeah. And you know the presumption, and, and, and there's, and we almost, almost all of the shows that I do no matter what we're talking about, uh, you know, we just had a did a show. I guess it it's running today about Kamala Harris, and she has wanted to hold um, people like Facebook accountable for everything that's said on Facebook. And so, if, if something criminal, Very familiar, if something criminal happens, and, and imagine that you would break the internet, you would destroy it. You would destroy free speech. You would certainly Absolutely. destroy privacy. But there is this constant tension between government agents who want to control people's lives and, and manipulate what they can and can't do, and the internet, which and, and innovation and people, it will be free. Right. It, it will happen. People will find ways yes. to do the things that they want to do. Right. Well, that's essentially what the point is with the whole situation with Ross, is that he's being held accountable and, and responsible for everything that happened on a site that right. he was not controlling it. Right. I mean, he they did uh, monitor it for those things that created victims, but they wasn't controlling it. And it's it's if it were a civil case, they couldn't they wouldn't do that because there's a law where you cannot hold a um, website host accountable for what's said or done on the site. But because it was a criminal case. That's not covered, but it's exactly the same principle. It's vicarious liability. It's it's extending the criminal umbrella, liability umbrella, to include things that you didn't even do. Yeah. 
And that's what she's proposing, it sounds like. It's a very slippery slope because it can get from, oh, well, that's uh, marijuana or drugs or this or that. And then it's, well, you said the wrong thing. Right. It's speech. It's, you know, and that's the direction we seem to be going in. Yeah. So this this matters. Uh, what what happened to Ross matters for mm-hmm. a lot of, precedent. of legal and philosophical reasons as we move forward because technology is ubiquitous and, and the ability of people to... Um, curate and choose and and do whatever they want is that's that's the new normal and and clearly incumbents particularly government incumbents don't much like that because it's about control but so he so he built this site and and he uh, i i assume he has since acknowledged that he's the guy that built it yeah he had help building it because he's not a computer programmer okay and that came out in trial uh but he created it he had the idea for it. so he it. was the thinker yeah yeah the okay. philosopher and it's even the judge even said at sentencing we know you created this site for philosophical reasons we're just not sure it's a philosophy you've left behind so i'm like oh so because he might still have this dangerous philosophy of voluntary interaction he has to be die in prison that's interesting you know she, she said it it's in the sentence uh sentencing yeah. transcripts to me that's a first amendment problem yeah uh we should not be caged for our philosophy or our political views. Uh, she found them troubling and dangerous and um, cited it. So 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 he built this site mm-hmm. and the, the almost immediately the federal government started um, this this massive operation to try to figure out who it was and to take it down. There's actually a movie about this, right? Right well deep web yeah. they go into that yeah, yeah. and and so so what happened he was he was arrested and he was charged with what well um he was sentenced for less than he was charged with so i don't know might as well just talk about what he was sentenced for because that's sure. what matters sure and by the way i just want to say that all his charges and his sentencing was non-violent and he was smeared with um allegations of murder for hire but then when it came time to indict him and take it to trial, they did, it wasn't there. But yeah. the media had already talked about it. There was another uh, indictment that, me- that mentioned those things. It's been dismissed with preju- prejudice. So there are no um, charges of murder for hire. And yet, this is a lingering thing. It's, uh, a, it's out there in it's the out narrative. There in, yeah. yeah, with the media. And I have been told by criminal justice lawyers, people who have had this happen to them, that this is something that is done to people, mm-hmm. uh, that they're charged with things they didn't do but are heinous, and then um, gets dropped or goes away, but it's part of the narrative. Yeah, it's a, it's a prosecutor, yeah. prosecutor's yeah. strategy. Exactly. And probably leaked to the press, and, mm-hmm. and oh, no, the yeah. press, of course, likes the most salacious thing. Exactly. And, well, and that's, that's why I want to bring that up, because yeah. it... If if I talk to a casual friend about about Ross, they're like, "That guy, yeah did did he try to kill somebody? Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's all a lie. Yeah, and and dismissed with prejudice means that no one can ever charge right. him with that ever again. Right, yeah. and they didn't need to do that, but yeah. they did. Yeah, uh, it's done. It's you know over. But well, but what was he? In con- prison. What was he? But what he was of? convicted for, and it's a conspiracy, essentially conspiracy. So not that he sold drugs. Not that he exchanged drugs with anyone. It's that he was in a conspiracy to do that because people on the site sold, bought and sold drugs. Yeah. Uh, they, and that's also uh, hacking 
Computer hacking, same thing, not that he did it, but that there was software on the site that could be used for that. No hacking was ever proven. Um, money laundering, same thing, that I think it was mainly Bitcoin was exchanged for uh, fiat money or for gold or whatever. Not that he did it, again, yeah. it's conspiracy, and then fake IDs. The one thing that was not a, same thing, the one thing that was not um, a conspiracy was, and this was towards the end, at first those were the only charges and um, which come with a 10-year mandatory minimum. Then they added the kingpin charge, basically saying that a website host is analogous to El Chapo, Pablo Escobar, and these violent kingpins. That's what that law is for, the crim continuing criminal enterprise. That comes with its own life sentence, and that comes with a 20-year mandatory minimum. And so they loaded that on there, so he has a double life sentence. And then 40 years for all those other charges. Yeah conspiracy charges so i mean it it's inconceivable two life sentences 40 years yeah um compare that um i saw you speak at pork fest recently and you were comparing it to some comparable sentences for other yeah uh, murderous drug kingpins oh well murderous drug kingpins yes like um, many of them 25 years and less el chapo recently got half the sentence ross did yeah that's insane. Yeah, how is that possible? Uh, <laughs> at, at, but also people in the Silk Road, the other defendants in the Silk Road case, the uh, person convicted for being the biggest drug seller who actually sold drugs, which Ross did not, got 10 years. He is the same offense level as Ross. He got mm -hmm. 10 years, and it goes down from there. There was a copycat site called Silk Road 2 that the government said was identical, except it was bigger. It sold more drugs, and the, uh, the person who was running that, Blake Benthal, was in custody for 13 days and set, let out. And I just, Vice just broke the story that he um, uh, has to pay back taxes on two years. That's it. So the disparity of sentencing alone is a violation of the sentencing, I believe it's the Sentencing Reform Act. Yeah. Yeah, I looked up the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution, and I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up, and I want to read it to people because I think, I think, actually understanding the, the consequences of, of, of what the government did. But while I pull that up, um, talk about some of the, like there was some incredibly dishonest, uh, corrupt members of law enforcement that were the, the leads on this case. And, and talk, tell some of those stories about what they were up to. Yeah, well, we know about two of them because they're in prison now. One is Karl Mark Force, who was a DEA agent at the core of the investigation. And the other was Sean Bridges, who was a Secret Service agent, also on assignment from the NSA. Uh, and they had a back door into Silk Road and used that access to um, steal money. We know that was true from different people who had people who had legal goods on there, too. People, you know, they, they stole money. And, but at the same time, they had the ability, and we don't know, we don't have proof, but they had the ability to, they had passwords, they had PIN numbers, they had keys, basically keys to the kingdom, and could, um, they could act as DPR, who was, which is the moniker for the lead administrator, they, without DPR even knowing, and um, they, and other aliases. They could um, change any, any content in the chats, marketplace, any of that. And this was used as evidence against Ross at trial. And um, th they've been proven to be corrupt. They're in prison now. 
Was that, and, and that information was not available to the jury, is that right? That's correct. That's that, insane. Uh, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, we, the, the defense uh, objected at a pretrial hearing that was sealed, I mean, closed off, we couldn't go to it, but um, the prosecution argued, they said, well, no, you can't bring this up because we're still investigating these people and this will tip them off, and then we found out later they already knew. Yeah. They had known for uh, almost a year. They they were uh, interviewed by law enforcement. And um, the defense said, okay, well, wait. Go ahead and do your investigation. Then we'll have a full, fair trial. And the judge said, no, you have to do it now. And you cannot mention them. They're totally precluded. So the jury had no idea that there were corrupt agents all over that site. Yeah. So so, <clears throat> so to repeat this, because it's so shocking, it's, it's hard to imagine – um, DEA agents were had had gotten into Silk Road. Yeah, as part of their investigation, they, they were stealing money. Yep. in the form of a Bitcoin. lot of money. A lot of money. How Twenty thousand Bitcoin. Yeah, is what I've been. Which is so. that's real cash. Yeah, yeah. especially now, it wasn't yeah. worth that much then, but it's still sure. a lot of money. And that information wasn't available to the jury that convicted your son. Correct. Wow. They didn't know of their existence. And actually, the prosecution hid the existence of Sean Bridges, a Secret Service agent, even from the judge. Yeah. That all came out two months after trial. Yeah. Some other interesting things came out, too, but I don't know if you want to get to that right sure, now. But, sure, sure. Um, okay, so at, what happens is, the, or in the, certainly in this case, the government did a huge data dump. So there, there was something like four terabytes of material to go through to find find the needles in the haystack that would be helpful. Well, this is practically impossible. This is like you would be crushed to death if it was on paper. You know, it's just a, a huge amount of data. But after trial, they kept sifting through and discovered, first of all, that DPR, which, just to digress one second, is DPR stands for Dread Pirate Roberts, who was a character in The Princess Bride. And the whole point of Dread Pirate Roberts was to pass on the, the title to, and that person would pass it on, that person would pass it on. So yeah. it's even within the name, it's implied that there are many of them. Okay. But it's pretty obvious when Ross was in solitary confinement that DPR logged into the Silk Road Forum. Yeah. And that was discovered after trial. I mean, and there were other indications, uh, and it's on our website, all the different anecdotal evidence as well as hard evidence that there was more than one person running the site. So there's there's more going on here than we, than we can get into, but... but I give, real quick, let me say one other thing. Sure. There was also tampering discovered. So there was a... there And the, the suspicion is it was from a third corrupt agent. So there was big portions of what the... Vi what the jury saw was incomplete, and big portions of that evidence, which was discovered later, was deleted. Yeah. So it painted a different picture. You referenced the website, and, and there's more information yeah. than people might be able to consume. And, and yeah, there's a there's, lot. If, if you're interested, uh, you should go to freeross.org. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a petition that we're going to talk about, but yeah. let's talk about it several times. Okay. Uh, there's a petition on change.org um, mm -hmm. to... Um, uh, ask President Trump to uh, grant clemency, yes. which is different than a pardon. A pardon. Yeah, we're not asking for a pardon. Yeah. Ross, you know, admits he, that he made a very grievous mistake. He's not saying, oh, I did nothing wrong, pardon me. But we are asking, and he is asking, for a, a sentence that is not cruel, unusual, really brutal and um, barbaric. Yeah. Uh, that is so far beyond out of uh, whack with the offense and what's necessary. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, we're asking for a commutation. Okay. 
let's uh, let's talk about Ross and 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 what's going on in prison. I I just heard some of these stories and and they're pretty rough as well because I want to mm-hmm. I want to define what cruel and unusual punishment is. So mm-hmm. give people a picture for what Ross is going through and what he, what he started like it it started rough and and only recently got a little bit better. Yeah, it actually started in a more transitional facility in New York. So that wasn't, that's more of a mix of people. But then he was sent to a maximum security penitentiary. uh, And that was very gang heavy with violent people. Killers and and rapists. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the one step down from the supermax. Yeah. And there's other people, nonviolent people in there too, but it's very violent. There there were routinely stabbings, beatings. There had been riots there. just recently there were two different suicides of people ross knew um because it's so tough uh no it's very dangerous and um the only reason he was in a place like that was because of his sentence because his security score he has no violence yeah he would have been in a camp yeah he's such a low security score even when he came in that they were going what are you doing in here what's a what is a security score what is it uh i believe it's a 12. it might be a 10 but that's it's low no, I mean like explain. Oh, what is it? <laughs> Sorry, what, I'm guessing um, what it is, but explain to everybody um, what what a security score well, is. Well, it's you... a score that each inmate, each prisoner gets to show how dangerous they are. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and um, we're talking about like, and I've I've read some of the letters. All of his friends, everyone tells the same story. He's he's a Boy Scout. Yeah, he's an Eagle Scout. He's a peacenik Boy Scout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Idealist, geek. <laughs> you know, I mean, it'd be. Believe me, I know you know this, but I mean. He could be sitting here. You'd be having a great conversation. You would not be afraid at all. Right. <laughs> There's no, you know, it's, it's, he's not a danger to anyone. Yeah. The guards, guards have come up to me and gone, he doesn't belong in here. Yeah. What's he doing in here? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So, and that's been many times. Uh, so. But he has spent months in, I don't know if the right word is solitary confinement, but, but small metal boxes. Yeah, now how did, he, how did he has been actual in actual solitary for probably at least a couple months. Um, yeah. But also, uh, when he what happened was he refused to assault participate in an assault on another inmate because he's not a violent guy, and he had to put himself in protective custody because that made him a target. Yeah, and so protective custody was an eight by ten metal box, no, you know, just no window, nothing uh, for three so, and a half so that's, months. That's three not, and a half months. That's not done. Even though it is, but it's not done to punish him. It's no, but it's exactly the same him. thing they do to punish people. It's the place they put you, and you know, people who are being punished go there too. Yeah, yeah. We need to do a second show on prison reform. Yes, I think. we. Yes, yes, absolutely. So this, it seems like a good time to read. Um, um, I'm not going to read the Eighth Amendment, but you know, the Eighth Amendment, amongst other things, prohibits cruel and unusual punishment. And I found, uh, I went on Wiki and I found a 72 Supreme Court case where Justin, Justice Brennan and the Supreme Court set the standard that a punishment would be cruel and unusual if it was too severe for the crime, if it was arbitrary, if it offended society's sense of justice, or if it was not more effective than a less severe penalty. Wow. So if that's a standard, there I feel like we just checked all the boxes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is why you're here this is the point of the the petition um too few people know the story um especially the true story the true story um because of the the narrative that that the 
I don't know if they're the prosecutors, but the government created against Ross. So, so tell me about the petition drive because we're, we're yeah. trying to get the president's attention yes. and, and we're trying to, to get everybody's attention for something that, you know, most people, maybe they haven't heard about this. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and, and the thing is president Trump has shown that he is interested in redemption and giving people second chances that he believes in that and mercy. And, um, so I'm very hopeful that he can see in this case that Ross is a perfect candidate for clemency because he will never reoffend. He will never hurt anyone. It's, it's not like the kind of situation where a president lets someone out and they do. That's you know th- this is not going to happen with him. Yeah. Uh, and so we have a, a, a petition. You can go to freeross.org/petition or just on our website. There's a banner, and um, it has over 206,000 signatures. And it's only been a little over a year. And um, it's just asking for a commutation, saying this sentence needs to be corrected because it's very, very wrong. And, um, yeah, we ha- it's the second fastest-growing clemency petition on that uh, change.org. Okay. And repeat the, the URL so people can go there? Sure. Um, freeross.org slash petition. Okay. And after we're done with this, we're going we're gonna to shoot a couple uh, short clips and, and try to drive some traffic to the petition site. And- That'd be great see if we can't get people fired up about. Um, but I, I want to go back and sort of like take this a little bit above um, just your fight as mm-hmm. Ross's mother and, and tease out some of the public yeah. policy implications yeah. of this. And, and one of them, and it's, we, we had a, uh, maybe you know Dr. Jeff Singer, um, Cato Scholar. He's, he's a practicing physician and he's, uh, he's rabidly anti-drug war. Hmm. Um, and he, he, he approaches it as a physician as opposed to just a, a libertarian policy guy. And, and one of the things this website was trying to do was to create better information. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're in the middle of an opioid crisis, and, and, and um, I would argue that the crisis was very much created by the drug war itself, by, by prohibiting um, certain kinds of, of of legal behavior by clamping down on prescriptions, you're pushing people into the black market where they don't know. Right. Prince, um, yeah. and as Dr. Dr. Singer talked about this, Prince died because he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't legally allowed to, to do what he was doing, so right. he went to the black market, he bought something, he didn't know right. what it was. And he couldn't get advice. He couldn't yeah. get proper advice for alternatives. So one of the, one of the, one of the dreams of this website, and it, it was functioning, was um, consumer feedback, and advice on on what um, you know potentially deadly and dangerous drugs might do to you. Right, there was, and um, it, and how to get off drugs. You know, there was a book uh, book club. There was all kinds of philosophical discussions. It wasn't you know t- not too many kingpins have a, a book club, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or care about voluntary interaction. Um, you know, again, I think it was a naive. I think it was overly idealistic. Sure. But that's true of a lot of young people. Yeah. You know. But yeah, there was it was it was the intentions were good. Yeah. And yes. of course, um, as libertarians, we we think that the drug war is illegitimate totally. and, and I don't think that that we should be in the business of, of putting people in cages for um, choices that don't hurt other people or take their stuff. Exactly. Uh, now conservatives um, may not agree with that. Um, but there's there's other fundamental issues mm-hmm. at at play here. Right. I'd like to just make a quick sure. uh, call out to conservatives, because 
and I I was very uh, much a conservative. Uh, I've become much more libertarian. I, I met thing. you at a conservative yeah, conference we met at a, a conserv- long time ago. Right. Uh, f- I, it was six years ago, yeah. I think. Um, so what I would like to say is the drug war doesn't work. It People are still doing drugs after over 45 years, and I believe it's is, could it possibly be a trillion dollars? It's many billions. Yeah. And um, it doesn't work. And it, and so why would we keep doing it? Well, I think the government keeps doing it because people are making tons of money and, and shredding our Constitution. Yeah. I mean, there's many drug cases that they're, oh, well, who cares about the Constitution? It's drugs. Yeah. So this is really a conservative issue. Yeah. It's not just a wild hair, you know, libertarian thing. It's it's definitely something that's hurting our Constitution. It is unconstitutional. Yeah. It's not in the Constitution. You know, prohibition was, uh, you know, uh, a big failure. It's a failure now. And it's costing tons of money to taxpayers. And that so is anyway, and that is that is shifting in the in the conservative community. Mm-hmm. The president himself has has certainly been very clear about about legalizing medical cannabis on the campaign trail. I believe he was broadly pro legalizing cannabis. Um, and you have guys like Glenn Beck, my colleague and and media mentor here at Blaze TV. Um, he takes my position at, that that all mm-hmm. all drugs should should be legalized, um, in part because you can't um, you can't regulate away dumb decisions, would be his conservative right. argument. But in the process of trying to, you can create a lot yes. of death and destruction along the way. Correct. So so that's one issue. But the 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 other issues that that I think um, might be even more concerning to constitutional conservatives and libertarians alike are sort of the the, the indiscriminate prosecutorial discretion mm. just to get the guy, right? Mm. The way they game the system and broke the rules and, and apparently um, stealing and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, our justice system is not going to work if we allow that sort of thing to happen. Right. Well, uh, yeah. And... It's, it's obvious this is going on because 98% of people plea and don't go to trial. There's a trial penalty. Now, trials are our right. We, it, it's a pillar of our justice system. But fair trials practically don't exist. Um, and 98% of people plea because they're bullied or threatened by prosecutors that if you, plea, if you go to trial, you're going to have a worse consequence. And so many people plea to things they, they're innocent of. Yeah. Um, and I've been told by former prosecutors, they have told me, said they will lie, they will cheat, anything to get that notch in their belt, get that trophy, and um, there are no consequences. And there are many, many examples of it. Um, the In Ross's case, there was a very controlled narrative. It wasn't allowed to be mentioned that he was a libertarian. It wasn't allowed to be mentioned that there were many, many legal items on the site. Um, many things were not allowed to be mentioned. It was tailored to the prosecutor's narrative yeah. and what was presented to the jury. Which, which gets us to the, the broader question. And there's, there's sort of a, an emerging consensus on the right and the left. I mean, it's kind of a libertarian consensus that we put too many nonviolent kids oh. in cages. And, and the, the cost of that... First of all, the fiscal cost, like it's right. it's bankrupting states because every time um, we pass a new mandatory minimum law, um, we build more prisons. 
and it's it's a wildly expensive thing but you also get this cycle of, of recidivism where where young people go into the sort of environment you're describing your son is in and and what's one of the first things he had to 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 decide if he wanted to do which is to become a thug yeah he had become to a resist violent that. yeah but a lot of people look i've relocated we have moved to be near him to give him a lifeline but most people can't do that we have an internet business we can do that and because I think it's so important, but it be, when it becomes your world and you're trying to survive, you know they say it's correctional. No, it's a criminal training ground. Yeah. And a lot of people are are bullied or um, pressured into joining a gang, which they never would have done. Right. And things like that. It's it's there's a huge cost in that way. Yeah. And it it just creates that that endless cycle where yeah. uh, once once a criminal, always a criminal. There's, right. There's you're no pegged. way to get out of it. And the other thing is the children, because, you know, I've gotten to know the families and I go in there and it's just, oh, my gosh, it's so horrible because they're so excited to see their father. Uh, and then when they're leaving, these children are shattered. They are sobbing. They are harmed. These yeah. kids are being hurt. And these are excessive sentences so, yeah. and often nonviolent people. And um, one woman said to me, she goes, you know, before this happened, my kids were getting straight A's. Everything was, And now everything's just falling apart. So, and these kids statistically have been proven that they will end up in the system. Yeah. So it becomes like, it's, it's like a, a mass incarceration has become this monster. I mean, the prison population has metastasized 800% since the drug war, 800%. Life sentences have quintupled since the drug war. It's become this, this, it's, this isn't even American, yeah. which is another argument for the conservatives. It's like before this, you didn't automatically get, you know, first of all, hardly anybody got life. But you didn't automatically go to prison. You know, there were there were many other options. It wasn't like this. And it was a steady population. And it shot up, uh, like I say, 800%. We're the biggest incarcerator in the world. This isn't this isn't good. This is wrong. Yeah. It's evil. Yeah, you have, um, and of course, President Trump, um, it, you know, efforts were attempted at the federal level to do some, some fairly nominal mm -hmm. uh, reforms to the criminal justice system, and there's a whole lot more to do. Um, but President Trump has sort of um, made it safe for conservatives to admit that this, this system is broken. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's also just a, a fascinating thing where, you know, Van Jones and Donald Trump yeah. can agree on something. Right. So you know something's wrong if, 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 yeah. if, if these very different guys come together on something. Um, another issue for me, and this this used to be sort of a fringy libertarian thing, but um, now it's become quite urgent. Well, I shouldn't say it's, I'm talking about free speech. And mm -hmm. now it seems like a fringy libertarian thing because you have, you have uh, a lot of people, um, including, you know, the uh, Mark Zuckerberg um, suggested that, that Facebook be regulated for speech, pointing to the French system, which is incredibly authoritarian, um, and and by the way, very un-American. The idea yeah. that somebody in the government, some regulatory agency, is going to decide you can say this, but you can't say that, yes. and and we sort of take our freedom to say whatever the heck is on our mind for granted. But I'm looking at what's happening in Hong Kong right now, and the activists who are risking their lives to fight for that that uh, civil liberty of of actually speaking your mind. Um, they need privacy so that the government right. doesn't come after them. And that's what this is all about. This is that's about right. 
voluntary behavior that's happening under a veil of privacy so that um, whoever can't mess with you. And I feel like that's another issue that that hopefully um, conservatives, libertarians, civil libertarians on the left, like we all used to agree on this thing. Yeah, well, we better yeah. because we're going to lose it, I think. And, you know, Ross has told me that one, one of his motivations was he felt like something had to be, people needed to understand that we, did, we were losing our privacy and how important that was. That was a big motivation for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Like I told you, the the judge used his philosophy to justify her draconian sentence. Yeah, this is dangerous. Um, yeah. Let's get back to that because that, um, and I, I heard you um, make this argument, and and we just compared Ross's sentence to El Chapo. Right. And if if they're both drug kingpins, you would think they would deserve the same sentence at mm-hmm. very least. Um, he, of course, is a well documented. Um, Murder. I don't. I don't know what the body count is, but it's it's something yeah. fantastic, and and um, the the government itself has acknowledged that that Ross was absolutely yeah. not responsible for anybody's murder. That's correct. Um, but you argue, and you you always thought that this they're trying to make an example um, in the context of the drug war, but now you think it's something else. Well, they said they were doing that. They said we're going to make you an example and deter others, which of course didn't work. But um, I, I actually think it was about the Bitcoin. But Bitcoin has to do with privacy as well. And I, I think that because the other sentences are so disparate. You know, yeah. the, the biggest drug seller got 10 years. So obviously they weren't that concerned about drugs. Yeah. Uh, but there, the, it came out about a little over a year ago and The Intercept broke the story that uh, Snowden documents show that the NSA was urgently pursuing Bitcoin users a few months before Silk Road was taken down, I thought they were supposed to be going after terrorists. Yeah. You know, they were urgently worried about Bitcoin. And I think that was a big part of why they came down so hard on Ross. Now the genie's out of the bottle, Bitcoin's out there. But, um, you know, and that's why he's such a hero to the blockchain communities because it was the first proof of use of Bitcoin. It showed it could be used as money. It became, it put it on the map. Yeah. And um, I think this was a big problem for financial powers. Yeah. It it sounds something like the Chinese government would do, not ours, but uh, mm-hmm. obviously financial privacy and privacy general and the sort of democratization that's happening because of technology. This is a this is a fundamental threat to people that would want to control our lives. Right, because they use money. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's another one. I think we could all agree <laughs> that financial privacy is not just a good thing, but an essential thing. Yeah, to freedom. Yeah, for, To freedom and, and sort of the American way of doing things. Yeah. Um, so there's there's lots of reasons to care about this fight. And and I've, I've seen you give talks on, on oh, you've talked a lot about criminal justice reform. Yeah. Uh, very very powerful perspective from from seeing it in the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot of work to do. We do. It's really become a bigger cause for me and Ross. We're hoping that the high profile nature of his case will shine a light, because it's not just Ross. He's not unique. He has an excessively extreme situation. But you know, there was a guy that he was in prison with, Tony, who's doing life for marijuana in Colorado. Because yeah. but it's federal. That's you so know? absurd. Yeah. 
it's terrible. It's just, you know, it's just no violence. Yeah. You know, and, um, and on and on and on. Uh, so it's it's really needs to be corrected. It is un-American. It does not. It's really antithetical to our basic values. Yeah. It needs to change. So tell us again what we can do to help free Ross. Thank you. Um, well, um, of course, sign the petition because the more signatures we have, I think the more convincing it will be to say this is important to a lot of people. And, um, yeah, my goal is half a million. I think we can do it. Uh, please go to freeross.org. It doesn't, and or freeross.org slash petition. It does not take a minute. Much, you know, it's very quick. It would really help. And please spread it, the word about it. And if anyone has um, any political connections uh, at any level, uh, please get in touch with me. You can do it through the website, freeross.org. Every footer has a place, a way to contact me. And um, I'd really appreciate it. You know, we're just a family with a few friends helping. We don't, we're not a big organization. We don't have a ton of money, which is another thing we need. <laughs> but um, so you there's can a go, way to donate. Yeah, talk yeah. about that. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're burning through, through yeah. legal bills like, oh, God, like Lawyers no are so expensive. You know, I knew they were expensive. I didn't realize how expensive. Um, yeah, very, very expensive. So any donations are very welcome. You know, many people are very wealthy because of Ross's vision about Bitcoin. And, um, you know... How about you know helping us out? Some, some, of, some have, of those guys are watching. Yeah, well, I, I know we got it. We got a big Bitcoin crowd. Yeah, and yeah. it's not, it's just like, hey, help him. He's he's fighting for his life yeah. in a to get out of a cage, and um, it'd be so much better if he could be out with society. He gets a lot to contribute, and so if you've made a lot of money on Bitcoin, you know, I'd be really gra grateful if you'd help me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and some people have, to be fair, but a lot of people have. That's how we've gotten as far as we are, but it keeps, we, it's a constant thing. All right. Yeah. The And and we won't name names, but you've, you're here in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. and you've been meeting with, with folks on Capitol Hill. Yeah. And you're, you're getting some traction. Yeah, we've had some good response. I think most people, when they realize this sentence, and that it's for a nonviolent first-time offender, young, are like, What? Yeah. You know, and that's really all you need to know to sign the petition. Yeah. It doesn't get all the details of all the stuff. It's like, no, this sentence sets a terrible precedent for excessive sentencing in this country, which is out of control. So political leaders, media leaders, influencers. Yeah. Somebody's got to get to Kim Kardashian because <laughs> she knows how to get this kind of stuff done. Yeah. You know, any help, I really welcome. Does anyone know Kim? No. We're... We'll, we'll work on that part. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for telling this story. I, I know oh, you. I know you me. do this quite a bit, and it it can't be a fun story to tell. But no, but I appreciate the, the opportunity. No, I really do. And it's been fun to talk to you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Kibbe on Liberty. Be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. Your ratings will help us reach even more people with our mostly honest conversations with mostly interesting people.